I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning about walking in victory. We uh, have been sharing some things in the past two weeks about our life and what Jesus did when he died on the cross. They took him to a borrowed tomb. We reflected on Easter morning that the, the tomb was empty. We used the red casket for our tomb and Jesus wasn't here. On the third day, he arose. For 40 days, he showed himself alive through many infallible proofs. There were prints in his hands where the nails, scars, as the nails had uh, pierced his hand as he was nailed to the tree. There were places on his brow where the thorns had been crushed down on his brow. He had stripes to prove that he was the one that had carried the cross to Calvary. And, and Jesus rose from the grave, and he said, Because I live, you can live also. And as we reflected upon the goodness of God and what it meant for the, for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the following Sunday we, we dealt about what Jesus did. On the, on the last few moments before he, he died on the cross, he spoke three words that we will never forget as Christian people. He said, it is, oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. On the cross, Jesus uttered these last three words as he drew his last final breath here on earth. He said, it is finished. And we've reflected upon the finished work of Jesus, how that he has delivered us from many things in this life. He's delivered us from the spirit of fear. And we uh, took the, the brick and we laid it back in the casket as, as we realized because Jesus died on the cross, because he shed his blood. Second Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And so we took fear, and we put it back in the casket. As, and we, we handed out bricks the, the Sunday following Easter, which I guess was last Sunday, was it not? Was it last Sunday or was it two weeks ago? Oh, my, I better go to the third pew. They're as lost as I am. <laughs> All right, there's been two Sundays since... All right. Then we, we ask everybody to take a brick and write on it. We had a little piece of paper, and you, you wrote on it the, the very thing that you needed or you had relied on the Lord to deliver you from. And everybody passed the casket at the closing moments of the service, and they laid their brick, uh, which was a piece of paper, in the casket. And the following day, uh, Jared and Carolyn and I gathered at the casket, and we picked up those papers, and the number one problem, the m number one uh, issue of Christian people was fear. And knowing that God has not given us a spirit of fear, how do we live in victory knowing that Jesus nailed fear to the tree so that we could go free? Well, many times we attend church and we, we put on a clean set of clothes, we brush our teeth, we comb our hair, we do everything else to make the outward man look good. But so many times we break, bring a man to church whose heart is broken, whose dreams have been shattered, who's one, lonely, he, who feels like he never measures up, who, who deals with guilt and shame of his past. And how do we live in victory even though we know that Jesus was nailed to the tree so that we could go free? And for a few moments this morning, we're going to be talking about the victorious life and how that we can live free because of what Jesus has done for all of us. And he's, the Bible says he's no respected person, so I know that he loves you just as much as he loves me. He's, the provision he's made for me is the provision that he's made for you. And so I just want to talk to you for a few moments about walking in victory. Walking in victory. If I were to ask the hands to be raised this morning, there are many people that are being challenged, and you want to live in victory, but you don't feel like you're there yet. Well, I need to tell you this morning, this life will never be perfect. 
you will never see a day on this earth where everything will go your way. There will always be some stinking thing that will show up that will try to spoil your day. So how do we live in victory when everything's upside down in this world that we live? How do we live in victory when we are real people? Well, we do that through the Word of God. And I'm going to give you some scriptures this morning, and, I, and I'm giving it to you to encourage you because I've been plugged into your life for pur a purpose. I not only want to bless you, but I want to encourage you. I want you to be strengthened. I want you to cross the finish line uh, this morning as a victorious Christian. Many people have met Jesus, but it's a day-by-day -day walk with the Lord that we really get to know him. It's times when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and our heart needs comfort, that we find that he is a comforter. He is a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he does know those that trust him. It's those times when we feel deserted and rejected and our best friend has walked out on us that we need somebody to tell us, you're valuable. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that's the voice of the Holy Spirit that's given to us through the knowledge of knowing that Jesus died. He rose again. And he said, because I live, you can live also. So as we take the journey of life this morning, I'd just like to share some scriptures to you. In fact, I'd just kind of like to talk to you if you would let me this, today. And, and, and I go to some words that were penned by the Apostle Paul. In Hebrews chapter 12, I look at a man that had did everything wrong until he met Jesus. And then Jesus took everything that he had done wrong, and he buried into the sea of forgetfulness. And this is the good part about my best friend. He will never, ever remind you of your past again. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever been in a place... And somebody shows up that knew you at a bad moment that you lived in your younger life. Have you, and have you ever wished, Lord, don't let them open their mouth and tell? I heard one man said, if that lady opens her mouth, there'll be a divorce in the paper tomorrow. Fear moves in. And when fear moves in, faith moves out. Not when my best friend moves into our life. When Jesus Christ comes into our life, and by the way, we had 11 people that took the, the booklet for new converts on Easter Sunday morning as they passed the casket, signed a book saying that they had repented of their sins. Jesus had written their name in the book of life. Jared was there to hand 11 of those, those, those books to new believers. Could you put your hands together? God is so good. It's not about just accepting Jesus as your personal Savior it's about from that day forward, you've started a new life. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And what ha really happens the day that you give your life to Jesus, he just lifts inside of you to your spirit man, and he takes the old spirit man out, and he puts a new spirit in. And you have the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is there because you've repented of your sins. You're walking away from the old sinful life. He's delivered you from the bondage of sin. And all of the things you find written on the books in this casket, he has delivered you from. And the way that we live in victory is not always convenient. The way that we live in victory is not always first choice. But I want to show you through the Word of God what the Apostle Paul says after he did everything wrong. He, he accepts Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, and he sends his old man, 
into the hands of Jesus, and he takes on the identity of a Christian, which is just somebody that's Christ-like. They've decided to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's how simple it is about following my best friend. He said, if you'll follow me, I'll teach you how to catch fish. Have you ever gone fishing with somebody that knew how to fish? And you did all your fishing in a book or at the golf course or some other place and with a, casting a hook at, with a worm or a minnow on it out in the unknown, hoping that you'll attract a fish. And then there's always the thought, what if everybody else catches fish and I don't? Maybe this is your contrast of life. Maybe you've, everything you've faced, you just seem to strike out. Maybe you've gone fishing and you've came home without fish. Maybe you've gone places and seen other people accomplish things and you haven't. That's the reason I'm here plugged into you this morning, because I have hope. And it comes through the words of God. And I look at a man whose life was hopeless before Jesus came into his life. And here's what he says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. And then verse number 2 tells us what to do. After we have given our life to Christ, we've given him the load of sin. He's placed his presence in our, our hearts. Then he tells us one thing. You need to be careful where you look. And the Apostle Paul knew that he could look back or he could look forward. But in order to look forward, he gives us a nugget of information we all need to practice. And here's what he says. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of God. And then we go to Ephesians 1, 3, and it says, uh, Blessed be the God. Uh, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. He has blessed you. He has strengthened you. And he wants you to know that he's voting for you. And then he, here's what he says, no matter how bad you mess up, I'm going to be with you. Boy, I'm glad that's the truth today, or I would never have made it this far. So I'm, I'm going to reflect on something this morning. Uh, in Second Timothy, I've already given it to you, but I want to give it to you again. For not, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound man. I, I want to I take the first words that he's, that is, is reflecting in Second Timothy, the power. The power that God, the day he comes into our life, gives us the power to reset our life. And as we look at this, he gives us also the power to resist. There's a resistance that comes into our life the day that Jesus comes in. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And he gives us resistance to resist the powers of darkness. However, the enemy knows that he can work on all of us by three areas. He'll look at, look at you, and he, always, he already knows our weakness because we were a follower of him because, before we gave our life to Jesus. But here's what he always knows. He can get your attention to the lust of the eye. After all, until we met Jesus, we, we depended on our five senses for happiness. We depended on these five senses for everything that we did. 
And our, our body responded, if it feels good, just do it. Listen to me. When we became followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we laid our five senses on this table, not that they're not a part of us, but we begin to walk by faith and not by sight. And here's the old enemy. He works by the, he loves to work through Christian people through the lust of the eye. How about this? He likes to work through with us through the lust of the flesh. And number three, his th- here's his three tools. He likes to work through the pride of life. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the li- eye, and the pride of life. And all of these things that, that he offers you, even though you've, you have asked for forgiveness, invited Jesus into our life, these are going to be things that he's going to aggravate you with the rest of your life because you're no longer following him. You're following the one who died, who rose again, and he lives inside of you. And he spoke these words, and I repeat it again, because he lives, you can live also. I want to do an, an, an illustration here this morning. Craig, you're as close to Jesus as I know. Would you come here? I'm going to use Craig this morning. The day that Jesus set us free, he did something in the invisible, but I want to make it real to you this morning. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, the day that we gave our heart to Jesus, everything in this casket we gave to Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to pretend that Craig is holding. No, I'm not going to ask you to pretend. I'm just going to load him down today. He's pretty hard to overload, but I've known him long enough to know that he's a strong man and the Lord. So here's what happened. Even though we know that Jesus, I want you to be able to see me. So even though we we unloaded our sin on all of our shortcomings, everything in the past to Jesus, and, he, and we did this because of the love of Jesus. And, and John 3.16, a very familiar portion of Scripture, probably you can quote it as good as I can, but for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so because of his love, he, he let me unload everything that Craig has here on him. You know why he did that? Because he loved me. He told me he did. He, he, he loved me enough that he died for me. He loved me enough that he wanted to set me free. He loved me enough that he wanted to adopt me into his family and call me one of his children. However, in the journey of life, the enemy tries to torment us with our past. And here's what he'll try to get you to do. On a very challenging day in your life, whether it's on the job or whether it's at home, he'll get you to look across the street at your neighbor and see that he has a better house than you. And you struggle to write your house payment. And he begins to talk to you. You know, if you'd go places after you get off work, there's a chance that you could be a big winner. And, you know, if you would just, you know, it's, it's get, becoming tax time. If you just, you know, there's a few more things you could do that if the IRS didn't catch you, you'd have more money in your bank account. And he torments every day with a spirit of lack. And here's what happens. If you're a, and all the time, the reason that Jesus has set us free from all of this is because he wants you to live in victory and not defeat. Paul says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that easily besets us so that we can run the race and we're in to win, are we not? How many wants to be a good winner? Oh, that's pretty weak, but there's a few of you that you want to win. And, and if the enemy can talk you into it, he'll get you to accept this even though you're a follower of Jesus. And then 
time goes on and your walk with the Lord and you're, you're reading your morning devotion, you, you're attending church and you're doing everything that uh, you can do and then you meet Sam and, and he was one of your bar friends when you went to the bar. And every time you meet Sam, he says, I know you're a Christian, it won't hurt, let's just go to the bar one more time tonight. And you love Sam. He's been a good influence. There was one night that you didn't even have the money to go with Sam, and Sam paid for your drinks. Sam's got a great influence on your life, and the enemy says, why don't you just go? The preacher's out of town. He knows where the seven-mile bar is, but he's not going to pass by tonight. And if, even if he did, you've just traded cars, and you don't need to worry about anybody uh, seeing that you're there. And so... Every day, the enemy wants to torment us. You know, you had it better when you were a follower of, of the enemy than you're having it now. Look at how many trials. And, you know, it just feels like since you've given your life to Jesus, it's hell on earth. The reason it is is because the enemy wants to torment you and take your attention off of your focus on Jesus. Life goes on. God has forgive, God has you realize the day that you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior you no longer had fear you begin to face adverse circumstances you begin to face the truth and you begin to face things you did never had the nerve to do because you knew when God was for you who could be against you and it just seemed like when Jesus came into your life fear had to leave and faith moved in and you realized that all things were possible through Christ and so but the enemy's talking to you you know you're going to be short in some certain areas of your life. And you know what? Your body's telling you some things that's going wrong with you that you should pay attention to. And after all, you know, your dad committed suicide. His brother committed suicide. And, you know, as bad as things are looking, you might need to think about that being the last focus if things don't work out the way you should. It should. How about this? Well, Things are just going so bad. There's so many people. It's, it, the, the office just told me one more move, and I, and, and I would be released from their corporation. And, you know, you've been working as hard as you can, but I can tell you something. You better get ready. You're going to get the ax next. And the enemy tries to do this to you. He tries to hand you your bundle of fear. What happened to the fear? God hadn't given us a spirit of fear, so the day we accepted Jesus, he took the whole load, didn't he? And he said, it's finished. I paid for it all. I've delivered you from the bondage of sin and death. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. But one by one, inch by inch, the enemy, he's as a roaring lion, but he's a toothless fairy. And his breath stinks. One day you walk into your class and into the presence of people, and a classmate sees you. And they said, you know, I rode the school bus with you. All I ever seen on your report cards was D's and F's. But I was always able to show you my A's and B's. That sounds far-fetched, but it happened to my wife. And she wanted to run from that lady, but she happened to be in the family. Have you ever heard this? You can... Pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. <laughs> Join the crowd. How about this? Maybe you've had a financial failure, and, and you went to the dungeon, and you, you wanted to be like an ostrich. You just wanted to stick your head in the sand and feel like you were 
hid. Listen, and the enemy continues to speak this voice. What if you fail again? I have some good news to tell you this morning because my life is plugged into your life. And God has sent me here on purpose because I love people and I love you. And you're hardworking people. And I'm voting for you that, because the Bible says you're the head and not the tail. You're the above and not the beneath. And Philippians 4, 6 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I want you to win. I want you to cross the finish line. I want to pick up the paper one day and see that the young people that are meeting at the rock are taking leaderships in the, in the business world. And things are happening because one day somebody told them they were worth salvaging. And a church had the finances to hire one of the greatest youth pastors. And he came to, this world, came to our community to make a difference. And that's what I want to do in your life. I want to make a difference. I want to tell you something. You're, of all people, most miserable because Jesus saw your end before he ever created, created you. And he says, you're worth it. And he does everything he can. The enemy does everything he can to load you with failure. On the, the journey you go, Pastor, I'm trying to live in victory. I've had three failed marriages, and the one I'm in is not looking good. Pastor, I, I, my, my family hasn't followed the leading of the Lord, and my family just seems to do the wrong thing, and, and I just don't know whether I could stand another uh, failure in my family or not. Listen to me. Where you focus your attention is where the power of your life flows. That's the reason the Apostle Paul says, looking unto Jesus. He's the author, the finisher of my faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and he's sitting in heavenly places. And he wants me to tell you there's a seat next to him, and he's prepared it for you and me. So many times as Christians, we go to church and we hear, God has not given us a spirit of fear. We get, we've got a notice in the mail, that a note that we thought we'd be able to pay with no, no uh, sacrifice at all will be due at the end of the month, and things haven't gone from bad to better. They've gone from bad to worse. And at night when we lay our head on that pillow, something called worry moves in. And we as Christians have learned to deal with this. I don't worry. I'm just deeply concerned. I can look so religious. Pastor, you're never supposed to worry. Three families walked out. Two more is thinking about it. And you cushion your head on the pillow at night, and the enemy says, might be your time to be checking out. And he'll do everything he can to sow a seed to cause you to worry. Let me tell you about this little fella. He's a naughty boy. And here's what worry is all about. It's interest on a note that you don't owe. Oh, come on, give me a break. Amen. There's two that smile. They've been there. The rest of you are looking at me very religiously. We go on. We're walking in victory. We're walking in victory, and then one day the bottom falls out of things. The company that we're represented goes bankrupt. It's in the paper. We've been a part of it, 
Our, our winter jacket had the name of the company on it. They were a Christian company, and all at once the doors closed. And everywhere you walk in, weren't you a part of that company that went under a few days ago? Aren't you, aren't you a part of that corporation that has been called on the carpet for illegal procedures? And the enemy does everything that he can to Christian people to shame on them, to put the load, the worry, the guilt. And Jesus, when he set us free, set us free from shame. David said, I don't have anything to fear because his rod and his staff, they comfort me. He said, I'll prepare for you a table in the presence of your enemies. It's in those moments that shame tries to knock at your house, tries to knock at your heart's door. Or maybe it's a, a child that's gone the wrong direction. Or maybe you've had a daughter that wound up pregnant and unwed. Or maybe you've had a son that's gone to jail. It doesn't matter. The enemy will do everything that he can to put you under the, under the cushion of where you're sitting today. I've got news for you. Jesus came to set us free so that we can live in victory no matter what comes our way. Hallelujah. Give him praise in the house. How about this? How many in the building this morning besides your pastor are glad that the blood of Jesus has washed all of your guilt and shame yeah. downstream? Yeah. And Jesus isn't running after it just because I've failed to wag my filth and shame in my face again. One pastor, he's lived in the community quite some time. Rumors got out, and uh, it, it wasn't a good rumor about the pastor. So he calls the district officials, and he says to his district superintendent, Pastor, there's a lot of rumors going around in the community. And he said, I just called in to ask you to pray for me. And the district superintendent says, Oh, Pastor, I wouldn't worry about those rumors. They usually die because of a lack of truth. And he says, Yeah, but Pastor, I'm just afraid this time they're going to prove it. The rest of you will get it on the way home. <laughs> Have you ever made a decision? Now, I'm not talking about marriage now. So lay that, just, just forget that. Just forget that. Have you ever made a decision you wish you'd never made? Have you ever regretted saying anything you wish you'd never said? Have you ever acted in a way you wish you'd never acted? And then you go home and you regret what you've said or done. The Apostle Paul says, looking unto Jesus, he said, for the joy. Jesus was facing a place called the cross. Just a few hours before he's hanging on the cross between two criminals, he looks toward his father and he says, Father, if it be possible, would you, would you take this bitter cup from me? I love his following of that benediction. Nevertheless, Lord, nevertheless, Father, not my will, but your will be done. No matter 
what you may be carrying in your life this morning, knowing that Jesus has come to set you free. No matter how many mistakes we've made or bad decisions we made, the Apostle Paul saw somebody like me before I'm sure that he penned these words. And he said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. So this morning, I want to just challenge you today with this thought. Jesus has came into your heart. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. But if you allow those things that we have highlighted this morning to come your way and send your life into the direction that Jesus has delivered you from, here's what will happen in, in the natural. You'll have to open the book where Jesus wrote your name. You'll have to go to the tomb and have, you'll have to pick up those things that Jesus has delivered you from if you allow the enemy to have his way. Paul says when Jesus came into our life, he gave us the ability to cast down imaginations. Every high thing that exalts itself against the plan of God. Our thought process is where our trouble really begins. The Bible says as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's the reason we need to be so full of Jesus every day of our life. Lord, I don't know how things are going to work out. I was at home this week. The tests haven't returned to this couple. But as Jared and I sat down with a couple that knew that their future wasn't really looking good, the first thing they did is complimented their family physician who's in this building this morning. And they told us how great he had taken care of them. But inside of them, there was a concern of what was ahead. The report had not returned yet. And here's what they said. Pastor, we don't know how things are going to turn out. Yet. But we do know one thing. Romans 8, 28 says it's going to work out for our good because we love Jesus. Listen, maybe you're waiting on a report this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't really know how the future is going to turn out for you. I'm saying this to you then. The rest of you don't have to listen to this. But if Paul realized it was important to look to Jesus, so do you and I. And I want to close this morning with some scriptures the Holy Spirit gave me this early this morning. And it's words found in Psalms that reports to the saving strength and the reconciling of our spirit when we're facing things that we have no answer for. The first one is not found in, in the book of Psalms, but it's one that I use quite often. And I want to start with the reading of the Scripture before we close this morning with Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. Listen to me. The enemy wants you to hear you say, I'm just afraid things are going the wrong direction. 
What we've done with our tongue, we've opened up our heart and we've expressed to the devil that there's still fear in our life. We've allowed that to come back in. It's starting to eat on us. It's starting to deteriorate. Did you know fear can even deteriorate your health? Did you know fear can cause you to waste precious moments of your life that you'll never be able to regain? The power of life and death. Let me just ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you in just a moment to count to one, one to ten. And somewhere in that counting, I'm going to go to 20. Some of you might beat me to the end. But I want you to count from one to 20 under your breath. I want you to count in just a moment. And when I uh, say go, I want you to start, and then I'm going to do something. I want you to start now. Start counting from one to 20. Now I want you to, while you're doing it, I want you to say your name. I didn't hear it. Let me ask you, did you keep counting while you spoke your name? That's the reason that the power of life and death is in the tongue. Because your tongue will override your thoughts, your intentions. It's a, the Bible says it's the most unruly part of my body. It says, well, you know how to put a bridle in a horse's mouth? And in this scriptures, they're just for me, but you can't even... <laughs> Control your own tongue. It's, it's there. Moving on from verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those that love it will eat the fruit thereof. Now I want to encourage you. The following verse says this, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains the favor of the Lord. Verse 23, A poor man uses entreaties, but the rich answers roughly. Verse 24, a man who has friends must show himself friendly, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A couple of more scriptures, and then we close. And let me get to them. There they are. I want to jump from that scripture to this one. How about Mark 11, 22? Starts out like this. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Verse 23 says, for assuredly I say that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he it doesn't say whatever he thinks. Let's read that again. For assuredly I say, this is Mark eleven twenty three. For assuredly I said to you, whoever says to the mountain, what is your mountain? What is your mountain, Brooke? Could I use you today for a helper? Would you bring three of those bricks here this morning? Brooke is a type and shadow of the Holy Spirit. The reason I know she is is because she's my granddaughter. The second reason, she cuts my hair every 10 days. If your mountain is shame, you, the, the Scripture is saying, Whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that whatsoever he says, it shall happen 
he can say, I have what he says. So I speak to that mountain, be removed. Worry? Mark eleven twenty two says this. For surely I say unto you, that whoever says to the mountain, Be thou removed, and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. Mountain of worry, I command you to leave. Oh, come on. I'm, 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 this is a lesson that you can see that I want you to take home and practice. Failure. This can be a big mountain. And the more you think about it, the bigger the mountain gets. That mountain of failure can become, that molehill can become a mountain if we give our thought. And where our, our thought goes is where the power of our life flows. So I want to tell you, I want to show you how to deal with failure. Mark eleven twenty three. For surely I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. Verse 24. Therefore I say to you, whoever, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Verse 25. I like this one. I like this one. Mark eleven twenty five, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Oh, I'm sure you didn't get that. Whenever you stand praying, I don't believe, you know, I, I'm doing more of my praying sitting now than I am standing. But whenever you stand praying, God isn't con- concerned about the, the posture that I, whether I stand or sit or kneel. He's looking on our heart, but Paul says, when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you don't, I love the Bible because it answers our questions. But if you don't, forgive. Neither will your Father in heaven forgive you of your trespasses. I have made a decision in my own life. And if you're here today and you've struggled over forgiving somebody else that's hurt you or taken advantage of you, I've decided nobody else is going to put me on the wrong road because I choose not to forgive them. And here's what unforgiveness is. It's like a prison. And you've locked yourself into that prison hoping that the other person dies. And this is what's put you there. The Bible says, but we have the mind of Christ. Not only when Jesus came into our life did he give us a new heart and a new spirit, but he, he, had, he gave us the mind of Christ. And that, let me ask you this. How many are, are just as honest, will be just as honest with me as I am with you today? Have you ever said the same thing that I've said at times? My goodness, I think I'm losing my mind. And inside, I hear... You cannot lose the mind of Christ. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I, I get a hold of that. Father, forgive me. I'm not throwing your mind away. What little I had, you gave me part of yours so I could make it. We have the mind of Christ. 
Listen to me. When people come for prayer and they need prayer for healing, before I lay hands on those people and release the power of healing that Jesus paid for as he carried the stripes to Calvary, we not only believe in salvation, we believe in divine healing. We believe in the soon return of Jesus Christ. We believe in, that you can live in victory while living in a world upside down. But most of the time when I pray for somebody who's sick, this question will come from my lips. Is there any unforgiveness toward anybody? And can I tell you, seven out of ten people that I pray for will say, yes, there is. And then I say, well, it's decision time. We're wanting God's best. We're wanting him to heal your body. We're wanting him to restore to you something in your life that will make your life complete. Before we do that, are you big enough to repeat these words, Lord, I forgive John Henry or ever what that person's name. I, I forgive John Doe. I forgive Susan. I forgive, I, I forgive Joanne today and all the hurt she's brought to me. When that happens, the floodgates are open. You know why? Because Jesus says, if he forgave me, I can depend on him for the rest of it. Because he said it's finished. And he wants to finish things up in your life. You know, a, ca a carpenter will put the frame together. Somebody else will come to put the sheetrock in a new dwelling. Another person will put the, come and tape and bed it, and put the texture on and do the finished work. And then after the walls many times are finished with texture-wise and painted, then the finished carpenter comes in and he begins to put the beauty on, the beauty touches on that new, new fixture or the, that new facility. He trims the wall, he trims the doors, he, he trims the cabinets, and he puts everything on. What he's, he is called to do is putting the finishing touch on a great work that somebody else has done. And Jesus wants, to tell me, wants me to tell you today, he, the finished work has been made available to all of us. Every day he wants to put the finishing touch on. Every day he wants to walk into our life. He wants to remind us. And every day in my, in my praise time, I go to Psalms 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless your holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all my iniquities, who heals all my disease, who delivers me from destruction and crowns me with loving kindness, who fills my mouth with good things so that I can be renewed with the strength of eagles. My youth is renewed daily in his strength. If he's done it for you, me, he'll do it for you. Would you stand? Father, today I want to thank you for the finished work and the life of victory that you've offered and, Lord, we're all work under construction today. And we'll never be a finished product until you call us home. But you've laid these scriptures into my life, on my heart today to share with those that would be here. And you knew those that would be here. And there are those that have been receptive to the ministry of your word today. And I want to thank you that I've had the privilege of plugging into their life and showing them that you what you want to do for all of us and what's been prepared and paid for through your death, your burial, and your resurrection. And over 2,000 years, what you accomplished is still accomplished today and will stay accomplished forever. In this quiet moment today, Lord, your, the Word says, let a man examine himself 
And we're not here to examine somebody else. Lord, we're just here to examine our own life. Lord, today, as far as the east is from the west, you have forgiven us. Give us the strength to treat our fellow brethren and sisters the same way. In Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Could I ask two simple questions this morning? Are you here today? And there's something in your life that keeps you from enjoying the abundance of life. Maybe it's worry. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's just a sin load you've never invited Jesus to take care of. But you'd say by an uplifted hand, Pastor, you hit the nail on the head in my life this morning, and I want you to know it. Can I see your hand while we wait just a moment? Hands across this crowd anywhere. Yes, God bless you, sir. Anyone else while we wait just a moment? Then we're going to close with this prayer today. And I want you to I want you to address that very item in your life that, that is keeping you out of the joy of God's presence, out of the knowledge of knowing that your sins are forgiven, your, your past is forgiven and forgotten, and today you can walk out of here singing, there's victory in Jesus. Father, you see the hand of this gentleman that was raised this morning. And you see his heart, Lord, and I ask you this morning to give him strength and courage to say, Lord, forgive me. And give me strength and courage from this day forward not to pick up this issue that's been tormenting me for days gone by. Lord, strengthen and gird him with the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we walk out of here this morning, let us all make a decision. I choose to walk in victory and not defeat. I'm the head and not the tail. And from this day forward, I'm going to let my light so shine before others that they'll realize that it's the good work of Jesus in my life that causes me to rise above the shadows and doubts of this world. Lord, let us leave here with the love of Jesus flowing, overflooding our life so that we can become a blessing to those that we encounter as we continue the journey of life. For all of these things, we give praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. We love you. And you're dismissed.